Welcome back to the Naked Truth. Peace to you. We are in the book of Judges, seventh book in the Old Testament. We're making our way on through it. Good God. And we're up to chapter two. We're going to begin with verse one if you want to read along with me. Then the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochum and said, I led you up from Egypt and brought you to the land of which I swore to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. So now it's calling, it's saying angel, it's capitalized A. And it says of the Lord, and Lord is in all capitals, so that generally translates back to the word, or from the name Jehovah, when Lord is all capitalized like that, and that's the case in this verse also. But um, now it's being referred to as the angel of the Lord, as if it's not the Lord God Almighty, but an angel um, of the Lord. But either way, like I keep telling you, this contradicts what another part of the Bible says. And I pointed out to you John chapter 1 that says no one's seen God. Here, I'll I'll just go to it now so you can read along with me. Um, read it up here. There's several examples. So um, in one place, there's John, the New Testament Gospel, Book of John chapter 1. Um, verse 18, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten son who is in the bosom of the father, he has declared him. That contradicts what we just, what we've been reading in the past chapters and books about people seeing God, interacting with God, talking with God, and even wrestling with God. But then also Jesus himself in John chapter five, uh, verse 37, and the father himself who sent me talking about Jesus or Jesus speaking about himself and God has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. So it's pretty clear. Jesus may have been talking about just his contemporaries at that time during his ministry, that they hadn't seen God or heard his voice at any time. But the beginning of the book of John chapter one wasn't. So it's clear, believe what you want to believe, but this couldn't possibly be God Almighty who the people in the Old Testament seem to be interacting with. That doesn't mean it isn't something supernatural, something um, spiritual, that they, as there are other spirits that are out there, demonic spirits and otherwise, that do exist. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you don't believe me, if you're a non-believer, and you really, really are, are sincere in your convictions and believe, oh, there's nothing beyond this, you can try blaspheming God Almighty. You can try, like, one of the ultimate, um, to desecrate something, like, take the Gospels and desecrate them however you know how, and see if something doesn't happen to you. It may not happen to you, but it almost certainly will, because no matter what you believe, you don't have to believe in the COVID virus, but that doesn't mean it doesn't still exist and can't kill you. Uh, although, you know, we've come further with the vaccines and whatnot now, you don't have to believe in something for it to still be true and still affect you. Um, but so believe what you want, but I don't believe this is God Almighty that the people are interacting with in the Old Testament because it contradicts what the Gospels tell us, what Jesus himself says. So as Christians, I would think that's who should get the last word is Christ, since um, that's who the whole movement is named for, Jesus. And his mission is the Christ, the Savior, the Anointed One. But as always, believe what you want. There's some entity that's guiding them. It's saying that, and I'm just going to say the Lord, since that's how it reads, even though I've already went into it, that's not what I believe. But um, so the entity that's with them, though, the Lord is telling them that uh, the Lord has led them up through this journey so far and sworn, made certain promises to them. 
that he that will not be broken. But we've seen some of those ordinances and orders um, that are supposed to be forever orders aren't so forever. They get changed pretty quickly, and they're not consistent at all. Many of them, uh, and just as an example, the dietary. Uh, restrictions, the things people are to eat and not eat, it changes again and again and again. And that's not my opinion. That's what we've read. It's right there in the book. But just so we understand what it's reading, that's why we're reading it. Verse 2, and you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall tear down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? So um, the Lord is asking them, why haven't they been faithful to the orders they were given about tearing down other religious um, means of worship, um, their altars, their um, pillars, their different idols, it, it would be called uh, in plain English. Why haven't you destroyed them? Verse 3, and we know they didn't because some in some cases they adopted those different religious idols and uh, beliefs for their own for themselves which is also uh, forbidden verse 3 therefore I also said I will not drive them out before you but they shall be thorns in your side and their gods shall be a snare to you so we've read how it seems that whoever is documenting this most likely scribes but at some point later on documenting the different uh, books of the Bible, especially in the Old Testament that we've read so far, seem to be going back and editing and doing some um, some uh, rewriting of the history to um, justify the different events that the people endured and encountered. And it seems now they're attributing the fact that the people weren't able to drive out all the inhabitants of the land, even though they were told the Lord would clear the way for them, basically, and that they'd just be able to go in and take the promised land and occupy it. That hasn't been the case at all. Instead, the religious people set up the uh, common people as an army to surround and protect them, and then to go into these different lands and war against them, fight against them, and in most many cases win, but in some cases not be able to beat them but able to subdue them and put them under their own um, um, tax system, basically, where they were subjects of the religious leaders. But they weren't able to drive them out. But that wasn't the promise. The promise was that the Lord would go before them and drive them out from before them, and they could go in and occupy the land. That's not how it's turned out at all. So how could that possibly be from God Almighty, something that significant and that inconsistent? But again, we're just reading it as it's written, so let's keep reading. Verse 4. So it was when the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the children of Israel that the people lifted up their voices and wept. So now it seems the Lord is blaming the people for not being faithful and making that the reason that they weren't able to um, go in and just totally conquer the land, colonize the land. They were ordered to... They were given inconsistent orders even. We've gone over that. The first order was that when they encounter people in the so-called promised land, first offer them a peace treaty. Then if they won't take it, then you go to war with them. But what we've seen happen is the one people that did come to them and offer a peace treaty with them, they ended up enslaving them. And then after that, they just didn't bother with any... They didn't never bother with it for approaching the people with, who lived there already with the peace treaty. Instead, they only approached them with war and attacked them again and again and again. And so that wasn't, they, they weren't even faithful to that command either. So it seems to me that would be more likely to be the reason that the people still exist and are there and, storm, and are thorns and snares to them because they didn't even follow that approach. But that's not what it's being attributed to. It's being attributed instead to their 
unfaithfulness to the religion that that's why they weren't able to defeat all the people who already lived there whose land they already occupied whose land was was already occupied by them but they've gone in to covet it steal it from them and massacre them and take it from them um but they weren't able to do it everyone because everyone there wasn't having it and there were even giants according to the narrative among the people of the land um so the people are in tears they're um lamenting the whole thing and um it's still it's saying the angel of the lord has gone up uh, has spoken these words to them and the people are in tears about it verse 5 then they called the name of the place bochem and they sacrificed there to the lord so bochem um translates to the word weeping and i guess they're naming it that because the people were in tears about the trials and tribulations that they're encountering now and not being able to completely conquer and wipe out the inhabitants of the land verse 6 and when joshua had dismissed the people the children is children of israel went each to his own inheritance to possess the land so um they're saying that their inheritance as if the people who lived there gave it to them that's not how it reads at all like i said it reads like the lord told them to um first covet the land and decide what area they wanted for themselves then go in and massacre the people who live there and then steal the land so like i've said before those three things covetousness theft and murder are direct contradictions to the big ten commandments um that you're not thou shalt not covet thou shalt not steal and thou shalt not kill and yet we're to believe if you believe the narrative that the same lord who gave those commandments is not has now given the people the commandment to go and do those three things that contradict those commandments and now is not pleased with them enough for not being faithful to those inconsistent orders and that that's the reason why they haven't been successful in uh going in and colonizing the land but the people have gone on to their um uh, uh, inheritances as they're called and what are truly um more like more accurately i guess would be said to be said it that way would be the land that they've taken for themselves they've gone back to their colonies verse 7 so the people served the lord all the days of joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived joshua who had seen all the great works of the lord which he had done for israel so the people are still being faithful in the days of moses and his death through the days of joshua and his death and now caleb if i remember right is who's basically the leader at this point verse 8 now joshua the son of nun the servant of the lord died when he was 110 years old so like i said we've some of these are repetitious because we just read that in the previous chapter but it's being repeated here I guess to just emphasize that Joshua is gone and it's uh, his age is um, this is an era it seems where people were still living into the triple digits um, pretty commonly um, and we saw in Genesis where people were living much much longer than that even like the mid to late triple digits hundreds and hundreds of years and we've gone over how as fantastical as that may sound um, science believes that telomeres, the wrappings at the end of the DNA, at the end of the chromosomes, are what um, unravel and lead to the demise of people, their death. Um, and science is working on ways of extending that so that uh, long life, like what we're reading about 
would not just be some fantasy, but could actually be a reality. And if it's a, if it becomes a reality again, that means it could have been a reality. It could have been a reality, just like it says in the Bible, and just has changed over time, like so many other things, through evolving times and elements, like the environment, like pollution, like uh, other things that contribute to people's lifespans being shorter and shorter and shorter. Um, verse nine, and they buried him within the border of his inheritance at Timnath Herez in the mountains of Ephraim on the north side of Mount Gash. So, um, as always, please, for, please forgive me if I mispronounce any of these, but it's saying that um, Joshua has now passed away and his burial place. And you can use an Old Testament map if you want to get an idea of these different areas and sites of um, where these different burial places are. And some of these places like Hebron, for instance, still exist in modern times and have the landmarks of those burial sites um, uh, with them. Verse 10, when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation rose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. So that whole generation that um, experienced the Exodus, the parting of the Red Sea, of the Passover, the original one, the manna from heaven, that whole generation is gone. So it's a new generation, a younger generation that is unfamiliar with all of that. So you can imagine what's going to happen next. Verse 11, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. So um, Baals, plural here. So even though we've read about Beelzebub and other uh, fine. It seems Baal translates to the word or to the word master, so it can mean something spiritual or you know um, supernatural, like a demonic um, uh, Baal, like Baal's above. But it can also mean like the master of an area, like Baal of Zebub, the master of Zebub, the Baal of Zephon, the master of Zephon. In this case, it's talking about the people worshiping. It sounds like um, spiritual Baal, spiritual masters. They're they've gotten involved in other religions which like we just read is a no-no verse 12 and they forsook the lord god of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of egypt and they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them and they bowed down to them and they provoked the lord's anger so um and now it's saying that the same angel of the lord that is it, the start of this chapter was saying is who guided them um, this far. Now it's saying that the Lord God is the one who um, brought them out. So it seems angel of the Lord is just another way of saying the Lord God or they're using them interchangeably um, even though like I said it contradicts what the New Testament says about people seeing the Lord and talking hearing the Lord's voice and all of that. Um, but it seems here the people have gotten into other religions, the religions of the land of the, uh, of the people who are already in the land there when they got there. It would be similar to um, when the North America was colonized. If the colonizers who actually weren't all that religious um, uh, historically, even though it's supposedly a Christian nation, we see it's not a God-fearing Christian nation by things like the death penalty, even though 
Cain was spared the death penalty and in fact at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis it says anyone who tried to do the death penalty against Cain would receive a sevenfold punishment if they even tried that and yet you see America does just the opposite of that and thumps the Bible thinking it's righteous so um, in the same way it would be just like the colonizers who um, came to Amer the Americas if they had taken up the religion of the indigenous people the Native Americans and started um, doing their forms of worship with the totem poles and so forth it would be the same it'd be just like that and it seems that the people here in chapter 2 are doing just that because we also read about um, um, sacred pillars that the people of the religions of the land of Canaan as it was called back then would use in their form of worship and that that was one of the things that was forbidden they were supposed to tear down their sacred pillars as they're called they're actually um, basically phallic symbols um, just like the Washington Monument there are things that are shaped in rudimentary shapes of penises of hard erect penises that's what all of those things represent and it all goes back to patriarchy which also goes back to the fact that this can't be God Almighty giving these instructions because why would God Almighty respect one sex more than another why would God Almighty hold one sex above another especially when the original sex according to Genesis was created male and female not men and women but created male and female read it yourself if you don't believe me it's what it says and it's 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 made clearer when you see what happens to Adam after he was created he wasn't created as just male he had to have been created male and female since he was put to sleep like you would during a surgery and part of him removed like you would do during an ectomy a surgery and then whatever was removed from him was used to present Eve after that that's right there in the Bible even though Bible thumpers ignore it and teach preach and believe something altogether different that doesn't even align with scripture so it's another reason why we should be careful to do what Jesus says if we want to know and do what the will of God is Jesus tells us in only two places in John chapter 6 and John chapter 7 that this is the will of God that you know concerning the doctrine whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority so a lot of religion will teach you lots of things preach to you lots of things and tell you lots of things that aren't scripturally accurate at all um, but they'll teach them to you and have you believing them um, and it will be very popular but they're not scriptural at all so it lets you know that's not actually you're not doing the will of God and embracing those things doing the will of God will be knowing concerning doctrine whether it is from God and if it's not from God then uh, at least you should at the very least put it in its lane put it in its box and know where it belongs even if you want to embrace it and believe it just know that it's not necessarily from God and if Jesus didn't say it it absolutely isn't Christian plain and simple verse uh, 13 they forsook the Lord and served Baal and the Ashtoreths so now Baal is singular in this point so it's, I mean in this verse so it's not talking about Baal's plural different masters or and again that seems to be pointing to different demonics different entities different spirits that people um, can worship um, but one singular one uh, it says uh, serve Baal singular and the Ashtoreths that's a, a female deity um, which is nothing new either there's um, all sorts of religions have female deities 
uh, goddesses, as they're called, like in uh, Greek and Roman mythologies or belief systems, um, but also in others. There's an African, ancient African deity named Ursula. Beautiful name. I went to high school with a girl named Ursula, um, but uh, she was a, a transgender deity in an African religion. So um, we know there are male and female goddesses and gods uh, in all sorts of different religions. And the Baal here um, points to, if I remember, a male deity. Um, and Ashtoreths is a, are female deities. And you see it's plural also. And here is Ashtoreths. As we keep reading, God willing, we keep reading. Um, sometimes it's Asherah um, and sometimes it's Ashtoreth. So um, it may or may not be the same one that's referring to, but they are all referring to female or at least feminine deities, goddesses in plain English. Um, and that's what the people have decided to start worshiping um, instead of the Lord that they aren't familiar with, who was the one who led them through um, the Exodus narrative. Verse 14, and the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. So he delivered them into the hands of plunderers who despoiled them and he sold them into the hands of their enemies all around so that they could no longer stand before their enemies. So now it seems to me really much clearer that that's what's happening. Someone's looking back at the different events that happened with the people as far as the wars and the victories and the defeats and accounting it to uh, unfaithfulness to the religion, falling into idolatry as the reason being that the people fell away from their faithfulness to the religion that they followed that led them through the exodus and to the point at the start of um, Joshua and these other books outside of the so-called five books of Moses. Uh, it's because the people have taken up other religions. They've uh, just like in modern times. Um, so, but that's what's being attributed to their losses now. But again, if you if if the orders they got from the get go were faithful and true, then they wouldn't have had to go to wars at all. They were told go to this promised land, and the Lord would clear the way for them. And that's not what happened. Um, so, is it any wonder people would start to fall away? Verse 15, wherever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for calamity, as the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn to them, and they were greatly distressed. So they weren't winning anymore. They were losing battles. They were losing territory, and they were losing ground to the different people who already lived there, the people who weren't having it with them going in and conquering them, but putting up a fight and defending their land. Verse 16, nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of the hand of those who plundered them. So now it's you can definitely see this is more 2020 hindsight and revisionist history. They're attributing um, the rise of the judges, which are which is the next book in uh, which this book uh, in the Bible. I forgot we were already done with Joshua. Um, it's good. This is this is basically giving us the story of uh, it seems to be laying the groundwork for how the judges took foothold and their portion of what's happening in the narrative. So that's why we're moving on to the period of judges. And like we've read before, the judges were something that was also man-made, just like so much of religion. It wasn't ordered by God. It wasn't something the Lord ordained. Even if you go by the narrative here in the Bible, the Lord, if, and just saying the Lord, because that's how it reads, Moses had his interaction with the burning bush, 
and not seeing the Lord at that point, but hearing a voice giving him orders. And then at some point he received the Ten Commandments, not all those statutes and ordinances, but the Ten Commandments. And through religion, through Moses introducing other people that he appointed as judges, then that's when all the dogma stepped in, according to the narrative. So you see here now the period of the judges is arising. Now that Moses is gone, Joshua is gone, and now it's time for the judges to sort of lay down the law for the people as to how they should uh, walk and worship. Verse um, 17, yet they would not listen to their judges, but they played the harlot with other gods and bowed down to them. They turned quickly from the way in which their fathers walked in obeying the commandments of the Lord. They did not do so. So now you're seeing they weren't faithful to Moses. They weren't faithful to Joshua. Now they're not going to be faithful to the judges either. And the fact that whoever the narrator here is is letting us know, since there's not someone named judges, instead it's someone documenting the period of the judges. Since the narrator already knows that the people aren't going to be faithful or aren't faithful, it lets us know for sure this is a retrospective. They're looking back on that period and documenting it like scribes would do. And it's, um, when it says harlots there, it's not talking about prostitutes or sex workers. It's talking about unfaithfulness. They're being unfaithful to their uh, the religion and the religious laws that were laid out for them through the period of Moses and Joshua and um, being adulterous or unfaithful to that religion and instead adopting the ways of the people of the religions all around them. Verse 18, And when the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judges, with the judge, and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who oppressed them and harassed them. So now it seems that the way the people are getting interactions with the Lord is by their suffering um, because they haven't been faithful to the religion they were ordered to be faithful to. But um, even in their unfaithfulness and in following other religions and other customs of the people in the land they've gone in to colonize, um, when they'd run into trouble, their groaning and their suffering, it seems to be, is what moved the Lord to work on their behalf at this point. Verse 19, And it came to pass when the judge was dead, that they reverted and behaved more corruptly than their fathers by following other gods to serve them and bow down to them. They did not cease from their own doings nor from their stubborn way. So the narrator here is letting us know the people were only faithful for a while. They would stay faithful during the lifetime of whatever religious leader or judge, as they're called, would arise and guide them. But then when that judge or slash leader would pass away, the people were, would revert back to their own ways of following other religions and getting involved in what's called idolatry, uh, worshiping those other entities, idols, deities, other gods, and not being faithful to the um, Lord, which is translated again, which is again translated from the name Jehovah, not being faithful to that entity, but instead following the uh, entities of the people all around them. Verse 20, then the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he said, because this nation has transgressed my covenant, which I commanded their fathers, and has not heeded my voice. So now it sounds like the people are about to get it. Uh, the Lord is reacting to angry with the people 
uh, because they again have not been faithful to the different covenant to the covenant that was laid out for them and again the covenant has changed again and again the ten commandments remain the same from the time they were given to Moses to the time that Jesus affirms them but all those other ordinances and statutes are very shifting and very inconsistent and the people I mean how could you be consistent to it when say for instance the food laws in Genesis it's every green herb is what's given for food which is basically a vegetarian diet then after Noah and the 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 flood it's you can eat anything anything that moves is um game you can eat it but then it switched to oh no you can't eat swine you can't eat shellfish you can't eat this you can't eat that and all supposedly from the same entity the same lord so how could people be cons uh, faithful to um something that keeps changing like that how would you know which one is the one you're supposed to be following it's like if the speed limit keeps changing in a in on one street today is 35 miles per hour and tomorrow it's 50 then it's up to 70 then it's back down to 20 how are you supposed to know which one to be faithful to unless there's some consistent sign to let you know but if it keeps changing how can you possibly be con uh, faithful to it but the people haven't been faithful um, and it's costing them according to the narrative the Lord isn't pleased with them uh, and in fact angry with them verse 21 I also will no longer drive out before them any of the nations which Joshua left when he died so now it's being put on Joshua now it's being put on the fact that Joshua didn't finish um, the conquest total conquest of the whole area and all the nations that remain how is that on Joshua to do that? It was the Lord who said, just according to the narrative, who would go before them and clear out the way for them. Not Joshua. Joshua wasn't even the first original one sent there. It was Moses who, who guided the people from Africa and their enslavement in Egypt to the gates of the promised land. And then he wasn't able, uh, wasn't allowed to enter into the promised land. And then Joshua arose. Um, but it was still the promise of the Lord clearing out the people before them that they could go in and take the land. But that has isn't how it happened at all. And yet the people are being blamed for not being faithful to that. Um, and now it's on Joshua for not clearing out. the. Um, Joshua didn't drive out all. Um, uh, Joshua didn't clear out the way for them, basically, uh, according to verse 21. And so now the Lord is saying the Lord will no longer drive out the people from before them but we saw that that's that been stopped happening that wasn't happening for a while now probably part of the reason the people haven't been able to remain faithful verse 22 so that through them i may test israel whether they will keep the ways of the lord to walk in them as their fathers kept them or not so now it's being said now is the justification for the people still having to battle it out with the inhabitants of the land as they try to colonize it is it's the rationale for it is it's a test for the people to see if they're going to be faithful or not if they're going to be faithful to the religion or keep falling into idolatry or not and uh, that's the reason why all those other people have been left to fight for their land and um, not allow it to be colonized by the children of Israel is to test them to see if they're going to be faithful to the religion or not okay verse 23 therefore the lord left those nations without driving them out immediately nor did he deliver them into the hand of joshua 
So that's con that's the um, official story now. That that's why um, the whole area wasn't completely cleared out for the children of Israel to just go in and lay roots in it and and um, start over with inhabiting it and colonizing it and settling in it. It's so that they could be tested to see if they were going to be faithful or not. That's why some of the people weren't driven out completely. Um, but that wasn't the original agreement. That wasn't the promise. The promise was the Lord would drive them out before them and they could go in and colonize it. And I'm paraphrasing that, but that is basically how it read. But that isn't how it ended up. And now the people are being blamed for not being faithful to it, even though it didn't turn out how they were promised, how it was promised to them. But that was the last verse in this chapter, so that's where we'll end this reading. As always, I appreciate you reading along with me and hope the naked truth is a blessing for you. And I hope you'll join me again. God bless you. I love you. And I'll see you next time. Peace be with you.